Hey, everybody. Absolutely stunning news over here this week. We have a video version of this week's episode available on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash late night. Go over there, sign up at any tier, and you'll have access to it. Once again, that's patreon.com slash late night. Now, enjoy the show. I've never really streamed from here. Like at Streamlabs, you just press a thing and it goes. Is that how it works? Yeah, it's just go live, which honest to God is built on the OBS platform. And listen, I'm not about to shill for the company because I'm pretty sure there's some bad press about them. <laughs> oh, really? They've been pretty scummy, but they really did improve on the OBS. Yeah, it's like an iPhone. Except let me take that back. <laughs> Streamlabs OBS is not as technologically advanced as the iPhone. Let me pull back that yeah. analogy. <laughs> also, just the acronym of slobs really vibes with me. Oh, that's a good one. Damn, I never even put that together. Oh, yeah. Acronyms, you can just do whatever you want. Streamlabs isn't a real word. I've always been confused by acronyms. <laughs> I know this is such a small, stupid point. Sometimes people use articles in their acronyms. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, it just feels like whatever makes the acronym cooler, that seems like the rule of thumb. Yes. Much like... Brian, you yesterday. Oh, I want to talk about this. I know exactly what you're going to say. So I have a friend who sends his kid to a Montessori school. Mm -hmm. And without giving away which Montessori school it is, the acronym of this place is C-U-M-S. Comes. <laughs> no, no, no. You did not send your child to Comes. He sends his kid to Comes. <laughs> And in talking to him, he's like, you know, on the branding, like it's capitalized. This is the acronym they use. Also, one of the words is so unnecessary. You would almost have to go out of your way to get comes. Hundred percent. When you look at the words they used, and I really don't want to say what it is. Okay, you know what? I will say it. Jarek, bleep this out. Okay, I'm gonna say what it is, and you're gonna hear it. And you're gonna be like, that's not a, a phrase. Okay. It's uh -huh. school. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck indeed? That is so unnecessary. What? That's exactly right. And I was just like, first of all, awesome. <laughs> but also like who, what? I just picture these emails like here in the comes community, we feel that <laughs> in education, you know, Oh. There's been an outbreak of lice at Cums. That Cums, yeah. <laughs> hey there, Cubbies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's their mascot? Just a fucking oh, semen. Yeah. Really, though, Cums, this makes me really upset because it's real because now I don't think I can do this. It makes me think of like if I wanted to do a parody or spoof film of X-Men, I'd just mm -hmm. do Cums. You know, welcome to Cums. This yeah. is the place for us all to go. We're all cummies, like Leighton suggested, you know, and we need to come the world. We need to save the yeah. world. We're going to come everywhere, <laughs> every nation. And then I think the running bit would be if anybody points out that it's weird that it's called comes, they get really offended. Like, how dare oh, how you? How dare you? That, oh, that's, no. that's disgusting. It's the acronym for the school. These yeah. are children. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Hundred percent. Holy shit. <laughs> and it's not in like the middle of nowhere where people might be a little naive. This guy lives in a major urban city, a major city with a huge population of people who know 
exactly what's going on. Yeah, it's also children that go to the school. Yes, that's correct. Like, I remember when I was in high school, one of the years we started using an online grading service, mm-hmm. and it was called ISIS. And so Oof. they started calling it ISIS. And no more than six months later, if you don't know who's out here. Oh, my God. All of a sudden, I was looking around to everyone else and like, I didn't say anything, but we all kind of knew every time the teacher was telling us to check ISIS that we were like, I don't know if we should be looking up ISIS right now. I know that happened on Archer, too, on the show Archer. yeah. Their organization was ISIS. And then I think they changed it later for precisely (laughs) this reason. I love unfortunate acronyms. I think it's just the greatest thing in the world. And it's always a question of like, of just how much did people know? And did anyone say anything? That's the other thing that always confuses me is like, because it's really hard to come out and just say something. Did anyone just like gently hint, hey, maybe we shouldn't have the cum school because it's like, uh, uh, It's going to make making merch really difficult. (laughs) Oh, if this hasn't already happened, I'd be surprised that some admin at the school is like, why are we selling so much merch? Like, who are these people? (laughs) Right? Wow. Like so many people out here in like Harvard jackets or whatever. I think at one point you could buy some at like Urban Outfitters, you know, different like schools, you know? Yep. Everyone just knows about cums. Yep. (laughs) We might be breaking something here. We might be helping fund a school right now. I honestly think that like, the Yale font, but it says comes. Mm-hmm, I, I think mm-hmm. that is fucking hilarious. With a whole seal. There yeah. must be, hold on, there must be a college, like the College of Upper Michigan State or something like that. College University of Michigan State. The College University. <laughs> That's a real school. Yeah, let me trust this person. When I look at their resume, oh, you went to comes? Yeah, College University of Michigan State. Go cummies. I'm just Googling it. City University Medical School. There it is. (laughs) Oh, here's a good one. Chronic, unpredictable, mild stress. (laughs) Oh, I think that's just everyone's life. I'm feeling pretty calm right now. Yeah. Oh, there's a bunch of these. The Cambridge University Musical Society. That's a good one. Chronic, ultra mild stress. A lot of medical schools. Creighton University Medical School. Yeah, I just saw that one. Wow, there's no way to do it. If you've got medical anything coming in as the third level, because if instead of school you do university, come you is not any better. <laughs> That's, <true>. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. These are all great, although there is something about it being like a preschool that makes it extra great. Whoa. <laughs> but, oh, God. That almost makes it innocent enough that they can be yes. like, look, our hands are washed. They don't even know. No, that's right. <laughs> Brian, this brings up a certain if we want to talk about this and also not to Uh turn the first 15 minutes of this into us talking about cum, which just feels like this show becoming a caricature of itself. Uh uh But we had some merch in the works that we put a pause on. Oh, yeah. That maybe now is the time to make happen. Okay, so, Layden, what are we talking about here? Yeah, so a couple of months ago, I don't even know what the genesis of this idea was, but... Yeah, we were just talking post-show, I think, just kind of, you know, admin stuff for the pod, schedules, that sort of thing. Merch ideas, and we were talking about the success of our black metal Stay Safe, Come Hard shirt, which out of all (laughs) the things that we've put on our store, that one sold the most. No, for context here, that used to be our catchphrase at the end of every show that Layton <laughs> would say, stay safe and come hard. And then I got like too humiliated to say it in front of strangers. So kind of faced <laughs> it out to a degree. But we were like, we should do more cum stuff. And then the idea was 
having a plain black shirt, plain black beanie, in all caps, but a very small all caps. Very just small. white text, come. Really tiny. <laughs> and I made mock-ups of it. And it's like the smaller that the cum is, the funnier it is. Yes. Picture the beanie hat with just the word like cum, like boop. Right <laughs> but like you got to get close to see it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And That's so right. part yes. of it was like, at least with the Stay Safe Come Hard shirt, you can't really see what it says. Like you got to puzzle it out. So mm-hmm. if you want to buy it, but you don't want people to ask you about cum, you can buy a patch like a Velcro patch that says, this is a normal hat. <laughs> so you can put it over the cum. <laughs> and then Brian was like, that's a contraceptive. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that, yes. And so Brian also purchased a domain name for us to sell our cum merch. That's right. So you can go to cumstuff.com, which was shockingly available to buy right. yeah, check it out, our dude. cum merch. It right now just has a little... Coming soon. Coming soon. You guys are so funny. <laughs> Holy shit. Thank you. Thank you very much. You really have cumstuff.com. I think the Genesis was hoping that cum.com was available. Yes, which it definitely was not. So I guess this will be the nice kick in the pants for us to actually populate this site with some cum merch. Oh, and cum socks. We were going to do cum socks. <laughs> we're definitely doing cum socks, yes. Ankle length black, black socks. socks. Yep. Uh huh. And same font treatment, just one little cum on the side. Just yep. cum. Is that going to be like the tagline for the brand? Like cum stuff, but like, you know, generally speaking, there's just going to be a little bit of cum on everything you get <laughs> from the store. <laughs> yes, it is now. That's the perfect description. We were talking about doing a bundle where you get like the hat and the shirt and the socks or whatever, but you get it in a jar <laughs> so you can buy a cum jar. <laughs> Well, here's a truly terrible idea. And I think you're going to see immediately where I'm going with this. Do you remember when Kiss made comic books with their blood in the red ink? What? No. So there's a very famous thing where I think this was in the, you know, height of Kiss popularity in the 70s. They made some comic book and the hook for the comic book was that some of their blood was used to mix the red ink. So... Whether this is actually true or not, I have no idea. But at least the marketing was that when you buy this book, you're going to be buying some of Kiss's blood. Right. (laughs) This is back. I believe they were still four color printing, you know. So any of the red just had Kiss's blood in it. Now, all I'm saying is we are printing things in a white font. Dear God, Brian. Dear God. I will allow the audience to use their imagination where I'm going with this, but uh, (sighs) it's a bad idea, right? I think sending a product dirty, right? You Mm -hmm. know, you're going to have to tell people that they need to wash it. So maybe let them know that. But you could also say that the packaging, the shipping label uh, was put on. Yes. Oh my God, no, it's, it, it's like that scene from Todd Salon's Happiness where Philip Seymour Hoffman comes on the wall and then uses it to put pictures up. That's real? Yeah, it's a great movie. One of my favorites. I was going to say, Jar is fun. You could also call the bundle a load, you know, if you're having a sale. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I love that. But I'm also a little uncomfortable with the idea that I'm looking up cum stuff. Because you need to let people know to put the dot .com and not to just Google cum stuff. Because it's Very definitely going to be different. I'm just going to Google cum stuff. Brian. <laughs> two words in quotes. Here we go. Three, two, one, enter. All right, I did not do image search right away, which was a good idea. Very good idea. Are you seeing the ad 
that pops up first? No. Basically, first thing is Pornhub, which is not a surprise. Oh, I clicked on images and I shouldn't have. The top ad shows me, this is from www.awkwardessentials.com. Come sponge after sex cleanup sponge. Great. Just great. That is fucking disgusting. And I clicked images at the same time you described that. So this was not good. The semen soaker for your vaginal canal. So you can skip the post-sex drip. <laughs> Whoa, that's what it's for? Quick and absorbing. Soft and comfy. Feeling the love. Oh my oh, God. Oh, this is not like the old school, like contraceptive sponge. No. I'm still here sitting like, who's designing that product? And it's like, yes, people are going to love this. Come well, sponge. this is the interesting thing. Somehow... I feel like cum has become kind of wholesome, right? <laughs> uh, it was always wholesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes. It came out of some hole. I feel like it has stopped being as porny as it once was. And now you can talk about cum in like a fun sort of, I won't say family <laughs> friendly, but in a, in a, in a more, in, in a sweeter way, let's just say. Do, do you guys agree with this or am I just nuts? No, what the fuck? No, I agree, Brian. Over time, the cum has gotten sweeter. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me say, let me put it this way. I feel like people will talk about cum in a way that they're not talking about like really porny sex kind of stuff, but they'll talk about cum in a way that feels more acceptable. Can you give us an example? Yeah, like someone who tweets the word cum. <laughs> You're just trying to cover your own ass. You're trying to come up with like a blanket excuse for the NSP Twitter. <laughs> no, that okay. Well, maybe. Here, look, I'm going to search for cum on Twitter. Don't and see what comes up. Mm -hmm. It's going to be porn. You know, people post porn on Twitter, right? Yeah, I'm aware of that. Are you allowed to? Oh, yeah. Twitter is one of the few socials where you can just straight up post porn and it won't get taken down. Because I know Ted Cruz was caught multiple times. Uh, Ted Cruz has done a lot worse things, but multiple times on his public Twitter, liking porn. Oh, yeah. Yes. Extremely stupid on his part. Here's one. Don't bully me. I'll come. I like that tweet. And it's very popular. It's like 5,000 RTs and stuff. Like, that's a popular thing. And I feel like that's an example of what I'm talking about. You know what? I would say that nut has been more accepted. I'm not sure about cum, but nut for sure. With the rise of the nut button, which is an old meme by now. Yeah. Brian, are you just looking at porn? You're staring off screen. <laughs> yeah, Brian's lost. I'm, I'm busy. He's in the cum hole. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I agree with both of you. I think generally we can all agree there's like a more sex positivity, I imagine, than of most times of living. Yeah. Come really, really funny. Nut, really, really funny. Really funny. And I agree with you, Layton, the nut button thing, too. Once it becomes a meme, then it's like kind of on a different level, right? I don't know why we're not calling it the nutton. The nutton. <laughs> I think we should introduce the show on that note. Yes, hold on. I have to say one more thing about the cum sponge that I was just looking at. Oh, yes, please. Far be it from me to stop you from that. Of course. I don't understand because it repeatedly says soak up the cum and I immediately, what is it? <laughs> is it a Sheryl Crow song? But soak like up soak the up the sun. <laughs> Why is that not the theme song? I'm gonna soak up the cum. <laughs> gonna tell everyone to lighten up, Brian. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say, all I wanna do is have some cum. That's where I thought you were oh, going. Even with that. better. Girls just wanna have cum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Hold on. How many other songs can you put come in? Well, how many Sheryl Crow songs can you put come in is the real question. <laughs> That's the real game. <laughs> Wait, she has an album called Come On, Come On. No fucking way. Yes, it's from 2002. God damn it. Is this a conspiracy? I mean, it certainly seems like. There's a conspiracy. We need to uncumber it. <laughs> it's a conspiracy. <laughs> that and Come On, Come On is the one with Soak Up the Sun on it. Clayton. Oh, shit. Come on, come on, the sponge. I want to soak up the cum. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> God, you know, Brian and I make jokes about how this is the podcast we do where we scream about cum every week, which is really a gross exaggeration. But we did it. But not this, <laughs> this week. It's been 23 <laughs> minutes of cum talk. I was going to read track names, but I won't. There's plausibly a bunch of cum songs on this. What, like 25% of it might be about cum? Yeah, okay, here's the track list. I guess I have to read it now. I'll just go through there are 13 tracks and here, what I'll do is I'll read a name and then we can vote on whether this could plausibly be about come. How about this? <laughs> okay. I like it. I like this game. Oh God. This is trademarked. We all together own the IP. This will be on ABC next fall. Great. Perfect. <laughs> Coming soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. This is from the 2002 album. Come on, come on by Cheryl Crow. I'm going to read a name of a track. I'm going to go through these in order, and we're going to go Leighton and then Noah. I just need a yes or a no. Yes is it could be about come. No is it could not. Okay? Do we all understand the rules as they have been presented? Noah, you and I, can we do like a buzzer sound before we do it? Like we have to buzz in, but you know, like a eh. Sure. Yeah. yeah People great. love that sound. Okay. It's their favorite. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Track one. Here we go. Steve McQueen. Eh. Yes, Noah. You know what? I'm going to start out with a yes. Soft yes. <laughs> okay, great. Soft yes. Love it. All right. No. You're going to say no. Okay. Split decision. Bold choice. Track two. Soak up the sun. Easy. Yes. Yes. Okay, great. Track three. Wait, should I be keeping track of this? No. Great. That's <laughs> much like easier. That. No. Okay. Track three. You're an original. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm going to say no. I'm, I'm going to be a little okay. conservative on this. <laughs> <laughs> a little contrarian. Track four is Safe and Sound. Yes. I think it's about cum. I think it's about cum, but when you're using a condom. See? Oh, shit. That's all we need. That's good. I agree with that. Track five, Come On, Come On. Yeah. Obviously, yes. Track six, It's So Easy. Yep. Yes. Track seven, Over You. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Uh, yeah. Track eight, Lucky Kid. Oh, no, no, my no, God. No, 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 no. We're going to skip yes, past that one. No, because it's about the one sperm that makes it to the egg. What a lucky kid. Oh, okay. You oh, know what? Great. shit. You actually saved that from uh, getting deleted <laughs> from the podcast. Uh, okay. <laughs> track nine, Diamond Road. Ah, uh, yeah. That's a yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Track 10, It's Only Love. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Track 11, Abilene. That's no, no, right? no. Okay. Abilene doesn't come. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Track 12 is Hole in My Pocket. God <laughs> damn it. What the fuck, Cheryl Crow? <sighs> yeah. That's a definite yes. That's a big yes. That's an illegal yes. And track 13... Uh, weather channel. <laughs> That's a yes. That is a yes. 
So we can say about this album and all the songs on it, cumulatively. Yes. yes. Cumulatively. Yes. Well, everyone, this is Late Night with Brian Wecht. Over here we have Leighton Gregg. Unfortunately. The one who just spoke was Brian Wecht. Hello. Dear, sweet, patient, beautiful mystery guest, who are you? (laughs) Hi, everyone. My name is Noah Grossman. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much. Leighton, it's our first time meeting, but Brian, I've met a couple of times, and we even went axe throwing one time. We went axe throwing together with laser corn, and it was awesome. Yeah. Noah, can you say just a couple sentences where might people know you from? I'm an actor, general, comedian, on the internet person. You'll probably know me most from Smosh. I'm still there now. I do some of my own stuff. I'm in the process of trying to make a game show, uh, which is super cool. We got two proof of concept episodes out on my YouTube channel. So if anyone (laughs) works at any company that wants to purchase it, hit me up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But apart from that, uh, just general actor. Awesome. What's the conceit of the game show? So an amateur video game lover versus a professional esports or streamer content creator, you go head to head, 1v1, test of skill and might in a variety of video games. So we might stick to a genre, we might switch up the genre on you. And the kind of hook of the show is throughout the rounds, we introduce debuffs to basically give the amateur video game lover a chance at actually beating the pro. Because if you're going 1v1 against someone who knows like a literal pro at the game, you're going to get your ass kicked. Yeah. But once we start to introduce these extra elements, like, you know, we did fighting games, but they had to wear drunk goggles. We called them vertigo goggles. (laughs) Um, But, you know, just a bunch of stupid stuff. That sounds awesome. That's a great idea. Did you develop that by yourself or is that with a with a group? Yeah, so it's my IP, and then the show I put together with a company called Sorcery, which is a group of friends that I've worked with before, kind of like a ragtag group of just different skills and trades that were like, hey, let's make our own company. What kind of started them is they won an M. Night Shyamalan animated competition or something to like make people get out to vote or something like that. So after they Mm -hmm. won the competition, they were like, oh, we can just form a little company uh, and then move from there. And they do a lot of like live show stuff, like a lot of live plays. But I know this guy, John O'Connor, who's a, an awesome steady cam operator and just in general, cool DP guy. And he hit me up one day and he was like, hey, we want to make something. Do you have any ideas? And I was like, yeah. So then well, that's cool. it just kind of started from there. Weirdly enough, I got hit up by a startup company. I'm not into like the Web3 space or the crypto space. I'm not involved at all. But it was some startup that's like lightly involved in it. And they just wanted someone to make content before they went into like another round of funding. They wanted a proof of concept thing. And I was like, okay, I've got this huge game show. If you want to put up the money, we can try to make it happen. And so they gave us a little bit of money. You know, we shot two full-on 23, 25-minute episodes in uh, Standard Vision Studios LA, which uses Mm -hmm. the same tech, the same people that built the LED screens for, like, The Mandalorian. So while this game show is happening, you're on a stage. Oh, yeah, those are awesome. Yeah, Yeah, and there's, like, a 36-foot curved 4K LED screen displaying the game that they're playing behind them. Right. And so it's just generally so freaking cool. These are the screens where they like film them real time, right? It's not a green screen that they're adding stuff in later. It's like, it's really there when they're filming. Yeah. So they use the technology because to CGI on reflective surfaces. So like uh, the Mandalorian's armor or anything like that, when you're doing a wide, it takes so much time for people to go in and then they have to put on all the reflections everywhere. It's so time intensive and you can miss something so simply and then it ruins the whole shot. So it's with these incredible high definition screens, they do background shots. So anytime it's a close up. You know, different things like that. The background is exactly what they want it to be. And since it's just lightly out of focus, it's like you're there. When I heard about this on The Mandalorian, I thought someone was shitting me. 
I was like, how is that possible? Like that you could just shoot at real time, <laughs> but it's just an amazing tech achievement. Yeah, I'm scrubbing through the first episode right now. It looks beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, the second episode is a little bit stronger. Again, these aren't pilots. They're proof of concepts because we didn't have all the money we needed. And then also we put this whole thing together in like 26 days from when we knew that we could do it to the final product release, essentially. So, I mean, with all the timing and everything, it's like, holy shit, it was actually a really, really cool achievement. But one last thing on the technology, because it's so freaking cool, is normally when you see things, it's on a green screen. And I don't think it's something you can fully communicate until you see it, especially real time when you're there. But the idea that you can see depth and you can see reflection on a floor and your brain doesn't have to try to like, I don't know, see a flat image as if it has depth. It's really mm -hmm. just there. We're really on a huge fucking screen. We really have, you know, 40 feet of a lens distance. Amazing. Like it's really just a cool experience. That's wild. But yeah, I hope someone at Netflix watches your podcast <laughs> <laughs> or Amazon. So how did you learn this stuff? Is it just by doing? Did you go to school for this at all? Like, what's your, your background with this? Yeah, just by doing it. Man, that's one really cool thing about the film industry. And I'm sure other industries are like it, but people will just like share knowledge with you. Like if you're yeah. friendly with them, they don't mind helping out, um, especially because so much stuff is like by word of mouth. Like if you're a crew member, like the only way you get onto more sets is by being a good crew member. Totally. And I think that kind of goes for everything. I've heard a lot of actors who then became directors or whatever basically say, look, every time I was on set, I decided to use that as an education. Like, I'm going to talk to the DP. I'm going to talk to the director. I'll see, you know, why are you using this lens here? And more often than not, people are happy to talk about it when they have time. It's amazing how much you can learn just by being there and doing the thing to the extent that film school seems sort of like a total ripoff. I'm sure people could disagree with this. But I'm always curious the difference between just learn by doing and learn by studying. My background is an academic. I was a learn by studying guy for sure. I spent a lot of my life in school. But for, you know, practical things like this, it seems like just get on a set and start talking to people and see what you can glean. I will say as the counterpoint that, you know, having friends who went to film school, a lot of that is like actually doing and making stuff. Oh, great. If we could phone a friend and Vernon would espouse the many benefits of film school for him. Yeah. My perception is colored because I do have a dear friend who went to film school and went deeply into debt for something that he felt like was a complete waste of time. You're very true. Yeah. It's definitely like an acting degree too. Yeah. If you don't have experience or access or you've never done it before, you're not really going to be able to take the full step to being able to do it professionally or even necessarily have the avenues or have the friends or the connections. So like right. definitely... If you want to have your hands on big cameras, if you want to, you know, you've never done productions before, you didn't do film in your high school, and you can get to a good film school, I think definitely do it. Yeah. But I agree. There's a lot of programs that are scamish because they gatekeep the skills that you need. Totally. And yeah. I can only speak for like acting schools. I've only ever been to non-degree acting schools, you know, like actual little acting camps or improv classes or like the Groundlings or things like that. And those have always given me the skills I need without a degree and with a yeah. lot less debt. And I know people that have gone to traditional acting schools and yes. I don't know what it's like if you need the degree or not. I think if you're trying to be on Broadway, definitely get into, you know, a good theater school. But if you're trying to be an on-screen actor, like, honestly, more likely if you pick up your phone and just film yourself doing something that you're going to end up, you know, on something than being like professionally trained. Yeah, I've heard people talk about, for example, Juilliard for acting, which is like exclusively stage by the way, I'm kind of talking out of my ass here, so if anyone knows better, please correct me. 
but I've heard people say, at least in the past, they went there and were not taught anything practical about how to be a TV or film actor. They were just taught how to be a stage actor, which is great if that's what you're into. But if not, then maybe that's not the route for you to go. We should also caveat that we're American. If you're British, you get into the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts, you're in RADA, you are the shit. Mm -hmm. Actors in Britain are fucking made different. That's just like a (laughs) well-known fact. Not just their ability to like do accents and shit, but like the training is like legitimate training. Like I'll say it all day long, like I'm an actor, but I'm definitely like a West Coast LA, like TV, (laughs) film, internet actor. I don't have the roots necessarily that, you know, some other people might have, but I don't necessarily think that that's required for 99% of the acting jobs I'll ever experience. And I think for the, you know, small section that might require something else, I think that, you know, I'm well within the ability to gain that skill. We are back. So, Leighton, do you want to describe what just happened? Well, Brian got abducted by ghosts. His feed froze. And then, well, all I could hear was a mysterious whooshing. Mm-hmm. And it, you claim that it's because your internet went out. But how do we know that you're actually Brian and not some mimic? Oh, well, I mean, if I wasn't Brian, would I be looking up cum porn on Twitter? It's <laughs> a good point. That's not necessarily exclusive to Brian. How do we know that you're not the ghost of? Oh, well, that's shit. you know what I am the ghost of. Actually, hey, go fuck yourself. I don't believe it because we would have heard about it. There would have been a big party celebrating the passing. Of- <laughs> <laughs> okay, we don't do too much politics on here, but we shouldn't but, wish death on a politician. But also if we were going to wish death on a politician, it would be. Here's what I'm going to say about how does anybody think this guy is cool? Like literally anybody, oh. you look at this guy. Did I freeze again? Yeah, yeah you did. you're getting censored. You're getting actively censored. Oh my God. <laughs> well, maybe Congress controls the internet now. Congress. Sorry. I'm yeah. so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> See, we're back, and we're back. Hey, I apologize for bringing it up, but Brian, I do support your sentence and what was going to be made. Thank you very much. Yes, I was just trying to say that there's some politicians you can look at, you can be like, I totally disagree with that person. I understand why people support them. With I'm like, who the fuck sees anything to like about this guy at all? At all. Anything. I felt like even if I agreed with him, which I don't on basically anything— I would still hate him. Yeah. Nobody really likes the Zodiac Killer. No one's like <laughs> super into him. Except for but maybe wait, like wait, the wait, Riddler wait. in the new Batman But movie. Leighton, you said Zodiac was your favorite movie, right? Don't put this David Ooh. Fincher shit on me. That's like the weakest Fincher you movie. love the Zodiac movie? Stop this. Stop this blasphemy. You said it was, quote, excellent. What the fuck, Brian? I'm fine with saying that I would celebrate a politician's death, but I draw the line at saying that I like David Fincher's Zodiac. (laughs) Okay, so when I left, we were talking about acting, like British training versus American training, RADA actors. I was going to say, I I agree with you, and I don't know if this is true. I'd be curious to hear someone who has experience with this talk, but it seems like it's more possible to have a career as like a middle-class actor in England than it is here. I don't know if that's actually true or not. You have to be an English actor, but you have to work in America. And then you're going to be the biggest fucking shit. (laughs) You're going to be the biggest fucking shit. 
Like a Brian Cox type. Yeah. Idris Elba. Robert Pattinson, who I think is like... He's amazing. Yeah. Unbelievable actor. He's amazing. A lot of the times I'm watching someone who's British and I have no fucking idea because they have the accents down so good. Yeah. I feel like British people generally are better at doing really convincing American accents than Americans are at doing really convincing British accents. 100%. Oh, without a doubt. So Rachel and I just watched Moon Knight, the Oscar Isaac thing, and I was pretty impressed with his British accent in that. Now, maybe it's a completely shitty accent and I just don't know, but it didn't sound to me like a shitty accent. So there's uh, just one counterexample. By the way, I don't know why people liked Moon Knight. We watched that whole thing and I was like, this is fucking terrible. What's Moon Knight? Is it Moon Knight like Jekyll and Hyde vibes? Uh, That's Morbius. (laughs) 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 It's Morbin time, fellas. I'm going to stop talking about Moon Knight. I didn't like it. That's all I'm going to say. The thing I do want to say about Morbius. So our friend, friend of the pod, multiple friend of the pod, Anthony Carboni, who has been on several times, had a tweet go semi-viral because he got kicked out of a screening of Morbius for laughing too hard. I should say a showing, <laughs> not a screening. He was at the Alamo Draft House downtown LA. He got escorted from the theater because he was having fun. And it turns out that the person that escorted him out of the theater is a friend of mine. <gasps> <laughs> wow. You got both sides of this yeah. story. I know. Oh, yeah. You're going to have to get them both on the pod. You know what? That would be actually a pretty great idea. Like a Rashomon kind of thing? Yes. Yeah. Rashomorb. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah. Rashomorb. That would be really fun. That's a great idea. To be fair, my friend who was the escorter who works at the theater was like, I didn't want to do it, but, you know, if it's like you get enough customer complaints, your hands are kind of tied. And he said that the guy who was complaining was being a dick. And, you know, Anthony was really doing nothing wrong except having fun in a terrible movie. He also has a very loud laugh. Yeah. Very distinctive laugh. But I'm trying to imagine, like, I would want to keep the little, because at Alamo Drafthouse, you have the little card that you write on, and that's how you narc on people. Yes. If I were Anthony, I would want to get the note that's like, this guy's laughing too loud at Mighty Morbin Power Rangers, and then frame it. That's, <laughs> yes, that would be amazing to have that. That's history. Wait, so if another patron bothers you, you turn you have to write it down and give it to like an usher? Have you been to Alamo Draft House? I've never been. I've always wanted to go. Yeah, I've been to a few of them. Never been to the one downtown here, but I've been to a bunch of the others. So the whole bit is that it's like restaurant, bar, and movie thing. And I love that place. It's the greatest. The one downtown is awesome. But, you know, you order by writing down. You have a little light under the table. You have a little table with your seat and you have a Mm -hmm. menu. And so you write your little request. You set it up so that like a waiter can see it, take it, and then they bring you your stuff. But they're very strict. Like they do multiple pre-rolls that are like no talking, no texting. You get one warning and then we will kick you out if you were talking. Yeah. Arclight was like this too. Like no fucking phones. Turn them off. Yeah. Yeah. And then they have a whole thing where it's like, are are you being bothered by somebody? Like, write it down and we'll take care of it. So surely Mm -hmm. there has to be some evidence of good old Tony Carboni getting booted from the Alamo Draft House for Morbin Too Hard. Did they like take all the stuff in a to-go container too? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
just dump it out onto the street. Yeah, they hurl it after you. You're just getting pelted <laughs> with chicken nuggets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they do have amazing booze milkshakes there. What? Like boozy milkshakes. Like alcoholic milkshake? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's definitely a thing. Yeah. What? Do you want to give some examples, Bladen? Yeah, there's like a banana split whiskey one that's really good. They have like a creme de menthe chocolate like grasshopper that's called the grasshopper. It's, there's not grasshopper in it. Mm-hmm. Like the classic cocktail. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Those are tasty? They're delicious. I know that it sounds weird, but it's like ice cream and booze. And it's usually like a sweet liqueur. So it's not just like... Like a Bailey's Irish cream kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Doesn't that like curdle? I'm like imagining it in my stomach. <laughs> well, probably always a bad idea with food to imagine what happens to it once it's inside your body. <laughs> you're right, you're yeah. right. Since it's kind of all going to do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Should we move on to segments, Layton? I feel like it's a good time to move on to segments. What do you think? Yeah, I keep compartmentalizing that we spent 20 minutes talking about cum. That's a new record. Yeah, let's do some segments. Okay, our first segment, Noah, this is our pop culture recommendation Ooh. segment. You get to talk about a book, a movie, a video game, something you've been enjoying recently. This segment is called What's Poppin'? And the theme song is added in post, so you're not going to hear it now, but it goes right here. What's poppin'? What's poppin'? That was the What's Poppin' theme song. Oh, there. Okay, let's uh, let's keep this dance going, because I like that a lot. <laughs> there it is. Amazing. <laughs> not having heard the theme song, but if you heard it, what do you think your reaction would have been to it? I think I might have shit. Okay, great. Perfect. That's what it does. That's the goal of every musician. There's no melody. It's simply a sustained brown note. Yeah. One of the best South Park episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Layton, what's popping? What's popping for me today are two different Blender tutorial YouTube channels. There are tons of Blender tutorials oh. on YouTube, which is part of what makes Blender which again, folks, is free. So great because it's just like so extensively documented. Oh, you mean the program. I thought you were talking about blenders. Yeah, so you plug in your blender and you stick your arm <laughs> in it and turn it on and then you put a little bit of vodka in it and boom, boost smoothie. <laughs> <laughs> but no, a blender 3D. And so the two channels that are popping for me, one of them is Kev Binge, who has maybe like the most accessible Blender tutorials where it's just very straightforward. It's at a good pace. He's just like, all right, you're going to go here and you're going to do this and then you do this. And it's all really cool, like simple strategies to make really baller stuff. And then the other one is like, I don't understand how this person doesn't have like 100,000 subs or whatever, but it's Stark Crafts. So that's S-T-A-R-K-C-R-A-F-T-S. But Still, they have a really awesome voice. I think they're Austrian. And all of it's like PS1 low poly tutorials. And a lot of them, he has like a motion capture rig for like one of the PS1 style like characters he's made. So it's just like the style is amazing and the tutorials are easy to follow. There's like a 25 minute video of like, all right, here's how you get fun dithered textures, which is how I found it. because I was trying to find like dithering and blender tutorials. Anyway, both those channels are great. If you're getting in Blender, I highly recommend. Check them out. That's what's popping for me. That's awesome. How hard has Blender been to learn? I, I know you've been doing stuff in it for like years now, right? Like a couple of years. No, no. I started in October. That's it. Oh my God. Wow. So if that's any indication, it's a lot 
the first couple of days are going to be like, what the fuck? Just as you get used to keybinds and stuff. But it seems way harder than it actually is. And if you follow tutorials, you're going to get it pretty quickly. I don't know. Maybe I just have the brain for it. It looks impossible. Seeing the stuff you come up with on it, I look at it and I'm like, how the fuck? It seems like magic. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it really is magical. There's so much stuff that you can do with it. And I just can't believe it's free for like the quality. And like, it's not necessarily intuitive, but it's not not intuitive. Mm -hmm. I haven't even gotten into like 2D animation on there, but there are like really extensive tools for doing it. And as somebody who suffered through using Flash for a long time in high school, I'm (laughs) excited to try it and make more stuff. It's a really amazing piece of software. And I think a very valuable skill that as a game developer, I've had problems in the past on other projects where it's like, yeah, I'm an art director, but I don't know how 3D stuff works. And now I have like a much better grasp where I can look back on that and be like, oh, this is what I needed to do. And like, I didn't have the terms or the understanding to articulate it. So it's a really valuable skill to have. That's awesome. Is it the kind of thing where, okay, you know me, I'm not much of an artist. I can't draw worth shit. Mm-hmm. Would I be able to do anything useful on it? Or do you actually need to have artistic ability to do cool stuff? As a 2D artist, 3D right now for me is way more fun and way more immediate because I can have an idea and block it out in like 10 minutes. Whereas with a mm-hmm. drawing, it's like there's so much shit you have to think about and then actually draw. It's amazing to me that 3D feels like easier than 2D. It totally does. I, I've talked to Jory about this where it just feels like playing with blocks basically as opposed to like pull something out of whole cloth. <laughs> How much of that has to do with the fact that when you're drawing in 2D, a lot of the time you're kind of converting 3D to 2D. Exactly, exactly. It's that. Okay. You don't have to think of that extra step of how you're going to stylize it. Or let's say you're putting together like a landscape or something. When you're drawing, you already have to think about like, here's my perspective grid. Here's keeping everything in perspective. I have to do the details. Whereas with Blender, set up a camera, pop down a bunch of cubes, scale them, done. It's way easier. And as somebody who has spent literally thousands of hours by now cumulatively in Animal Crossing and Sims throughout my life. It's like the same thing, except you just have more control over it. That's interesting. There's an amazing mathematical statement. So there's an operation in math called projection, where you go from like one dimension to a dimension lower. So literally like you take a 3D object and you project it down onto a 2D plane. Right. But you could, in principle, do this for anything. You could take a 4D object and project it down to 3D or a 10D and project it down to 2D, whatever. And if you go from one dimension to a dimension lower, from 3D to 2D, 4D to 3D, et cetera, you don't lose any information whatsoever. So from the two dimensional thing, you can reconstruct the three dimensional thing perfectly. But if you go more than one dimension down, if you try to go from 4D to 2D, you will necessarily lose information. So there's no way from like a two-dimensional drawing to accurately reconstruct a four-dimensional object. You're going to lose some of the information on the way. Right. And this is why whenever you see like a Tesseract, Hypercube, whatever, you can't get all the information. It kind of depends on which specific projection you're using to get down to to two dimensions. Right. But in my own research, I was working usually in 10 or 11 dimensions, and then you try to fucking draw what you're doing, and it's like what the hell am I supposed to do do here? Like you can conceptualize it in different ways mathematically, but after a while you just give up trying to picture anything that's happening 
in more than four dimensions because there's just like no point. Yeah, that seems like uh, too much. But sometime on a mini-sode, Brian, I'll get you to install Blender and I can walk you through it. You're going to be overwhelmed, but I think you would be surprised at how easy it is to make something. I'm fucking overwhelmed by Procreate. Like, (laughs) I don't know anything about it. Brian, you're overwhelmed and yet you literally did the math of 11-dimensional geometric objects yeah, but true, it's like, true. well, what one I spent, you know, 20 years doing <laughs> and the other I don't know anything about. And all that shit, by the way, was completely overwhelming when I first started doing it. You you know, you've been doing that kind of stuff for a while when you're like only six dimensions. Fucking easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of where I ended up. And after a while, they just become mathematical objects. It reminds me of the, there's a famous quote by John von Neumann, who was one of these like extremely brilliant mathematician, physicist, polymath, knew everything. I think widely considered to be one of the most brilliant scientists of the 20th century. And even von Neumann, who was like Dr. Math, has a quote where he's like, nobody really understands higher math. You just kind of get used to it. (laughs) And I think that's very true. You start using these concepts and you get used to how they feel and you develop intuition about them. But you know, can you really understand what six dimensions looks like? I don't think that's the case. And of course, that's actually geometry. That's like the shape of stuff. There's much more abstract stuff in math that has nothing to do with like picturing how things work. It's just like having a feel for how these objects behave in a mathematical sense. I always think about like speaking a language. Sure. After you're fluent in a language, you just speak the language and you don't really think about it too hard. After you're fluent in math or science or whatever it is or art, You just kind of do it and you don't think too hard. And then if you go back and try to re-explain it to someone, you're like, oh, shit, actually, what's going on here? That's a good question. (laughs) That's a really good way to put it. Noah, what's popping? Well, first, what's popping is I just realized I'm going to call with two people who are much smarter than me. (laughs) Not not (laughs) true. Not true, dude. You're awesome. But what's popping, do you guys watch Eurovision? Have you ever watched the Eurovision competitions? (laughs) <laughs> yes. I've never watched the full one, but I've seen clips and I watched some of the ones from this year too. Oh my God. Not ever. Oh, Layton, you've never seen it? Nope. Okay. You need to immediately download Peacock. It's free. Unless this podcast is sponsored by a competing streaming service, then download Redacted. <laughs> you need to watch. They've got 2021 and they've got 2022. Uh, and both of them are amazing shows. Personally, I think the 2021 actually just has like better songs. But the 2022 one is still fucking so awesome. It is amazing. So my experience with Eurovision is I've seen clips of it throughout my lifetime, obviously, like ABBA, all these places. You know, I think fucking Celine Dion did it just throughout time. It's Eurovision. It's a big thing. Post-war Europe, whatever. This year. Oh, my brain just broke. (laughs) Are you going to talk about the Latvian one? The Latvian one from this year or last year? From this year. The song is called, I believe, Eat Your Salad. And the first line is, instead of meat, I eat veggies and (laughs) Wow. Yeah. But it's pretty great. And then the rest of the lyrics are, being green is hot. Being green is cool. I do remember that one. Being green is hot. That song actually was pretty fun. I just watched Eurovision for the first time this year. I watched both of them. And it is so freaking fun. There's some levels of entertainment that I didn't know I was missing. First and foremost, I don't think I've ever seen a show where there was no active branding 
Like there's obviously commercials. I'm sure they cut to commercials and and Peacock has commercials, but there's no signs of brands anywhere, which was so weird. Mm -hmm. And you don't realize until you're like 30 minutes in and you're like, I haven't seen Coca-Cola. Like, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I'm not watching an American thing, but everything else about it, the way that they like host the show, like the energy they give, it's really like, it is such a vibe. It's really cool. It made me realize like Europe is just like a freaky party if you're down for it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like, honestly, I don't know if I'm invited. (laughs) <laughs> what was your favorite contestant or like what what was your favorite oh, my performance? favorite so i think they were also latvia it's either latvia or it might have been lithuania i might be completely lying it's called disco tech in your home by the roop but this was my favorite one it's everybody in yellow yeah everyone in yellow yes lithuania they're from lithuania, lithuania yeah dude these people killed it they opened the show That's one other thing, too. Eurovision is a live experience, so they're actually curating, like, a live show. There's rules to it. Every song has to be three minutes. You can only have a maximum of six people on stage. Yeah. Some people have dancers. Some people have sets. Some people it's a little more simple. But you really get, like, a whole range of show. There's, like, joke songs. There's, you know, sometimes house or techno. You know, some emotional stuff. Stuff in English. Most of it's in English. Some of the stuff is in their own language or, you know, a mixture of the two. They show up in like modern and cultural clothing. Like it's just really, really cool and fun. Yeah, it's it's wow. awesome. You know, I lived in England for a few years and people were fucking into it. People were really into it. And it was great to see people be into it because I feel like I never really heard about it living here. And yeah. then you go over there and it's like a thing. We tried to do something or I think it's also uh, Peacock did it. It's called the Great American Song Contest or the American Song Contest. I think it's Kelly Clarkson and Snoop Dogg. And I tried to watch mm-hmm. it. And I think it's their attempt of trying to do a Eurovision type thing because it's people from every state. A lot of them are performing mm-hmm. original songs, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I watched it and I really just didn't like it. And then I watched Eurovision afterwards, not trying to compare the two. But then you watch it and you're like, there's no comparison. I don't know what we're doing wrong. but It feels like it's better showmanship on the Eurovision. And it also has an attitude of, I don't fucking care if this is cool. I think this rules that I feel like the American equivalent probably didn't have. Although I've never seen the other one you're talking about. Mm -hmm. It's also like at an Olympic level versus like a weekly show. Like the stakes are different. The goals are different. I don't think they care if they make their money back because like the goal is like, hey, post-war Europe. We do things for peace and for community and for, you know, arts and expression versus why did we make the Great American Show Contest so that you can, you know, keep your eyes on this channel a little longer. Sell ads against it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Cool. I love it. But yeah, y'all need to check out Eurovision. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And it's on Peacock, you said? Yeah, it's on Peacock. Brian, yes. what's poppin'? What's poppin' for me? I'm gonna go back a few years. It's a TV show. It was a favorite of mine when it was on. I haven't seen it in forever. It's a cult classic, so probably everyone knows it already. It's the original 1994 The Tick cartoon. (laughs) It's so fucking good. It is so funny. And when this came on, like it was a Saturday morning cartoon in the 90s. I was in college at the time. And my friends, like other college kids, would get up at 9 a.m. on a Saturday to watch The Tick. I was just like, are you guys fucking crazy? Like, what are you doing? And then I watched it and I got it. I was like, oh, this is why it's incredible. You know, it's very much that like mystery men, wacky superheroes kind of thing. But in a way that feels like it was among the first to do it and is still so fun and odd and kind of subversive. It's just great. 
I've never read the original comics. I've seen every iteration of the. There's three Tick TV shows. There's this one. There was a one I think early 2000s where Ron Perlman was on it. It was a uh, fuck it. Patrick Warburton as the Tick, and Ron Perlman played one of the other superheroes. And then they just did it on Amazon a few years ago with Peter Serafinowicz as the Tick. And honestly, they're all pretty great, but nothing compares to the original cartoon. It's just so fun. Has either of you ever seen it? No. No, I recognize the character and part of me feels, and I could obviously be lying, but the Fairly Odd Parents, Butch Hartman's cartoon, they've got Mm -hmm. a character called the Crimson Chin. Oh Oh my God. It literally just looks like the tick, but in the opposite. Looks like the tick. Colors, yeah. And even with like similar powers. you're so right. You're so right. Yeah. Oh yeah, this guy's the tick for sure. Yeah, look at that. Oh, even when you look it up, there's a fan art of him fighting the tick. Yes. Wow. Oh, really? exactly like the tick. (laughs) Yeah. Fairly Odd Parents is good. I've never seen it. I know people like it. I mean, it's been on for a long time. I don't know if they're still making episodes. I feel like it's probably like SpongeBob, where like you could probably watch the first eight seasons and enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I always loved it so much. I thought it was really fucking great. And then they brought in like the baby and whatnot. Oh, wait. Crimson Chin is played by Jay Leno. Wow. Are you kidding me? That's what it says here. They have Adam West on the show. They do have Adam West as Catman. Yeah, and they have uh, Norm MacDonald did a couple of episodes as like a genie who is just like an evil genie. The voice acting is fun. The jokes are great. There are a couple of songs in it that are awesome. Like, oh, wow. It was really solid. Yeah, you're breaking my brain because I'm now realizing that all these voices I could pair to faces, but I couldn't as a kid. Oh, yeah. dude. That's so weird. I think that's so great that as an adult... You're a fan of someone, you're like, wait, did they do that voice from that show? Oh my God, that was that guy. It's such a fun realization. And especially once you start learning voice actors that you're like, oh, "Oh, Billy West did literally everything I've ever loved. Oh, okay, cool. (laughs) You know, that sort of thing. It's really fun when you start learning who these people are. All right, amazing. So that is what was popping. And Uh now we are on to our final segment, which is a combination gratitude exercise or uh, 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 shit. Uh, it, it's three parts. Keep it in. It's three parts gratitude exercise, one part petty grousing, and the theme song for the segment, which is called Peaches and Lemons, goes right. Uh, it goes here. Peaches and lemons. Peaches and lemons. Oh, there it is. <laughs> That's amazing. We need to change the theme song. <laughs> you know what? I was thinking about it. Should we change the theme song? Is it time to change theme songs? This will be 121 of this podcast. Feels like it might be time to change the theme songs. Whoa, Brian. Whoa. This is a whole other. I'm just thinking. This is a whole other thing. Listeners, let us know. Do you want a new theme song? I'm guessing the answer is going to be no. But still, let us know. Okay, so we'll each start with a lemon, which is a minor... Bummer, annoyance, grievance, just a little thing that is frustrating. I'll go first. Okay. My lemon is that I was really excited for a three-day Memorial Day weekend, and then I got COVID, (laughs) and I still have COVID. So fucking hooray. I successfully avoided getting it for two years. And here... I swear that wasn't on purpose. <laughs> it was really funny, though. So, yeah, that's my lemon. Who else has lemons? Noah, you got anything? Okay, yeah, not to be too deep or... You can be deep. It's, it's a lemon. You know, it's a light lemon. I think we all know this, but I think Twitter and social media, we all known it for a long time. 
just sucks. Just like not a good place to have productive <laughs> conversation. And it's just more mm-hmm. and more apparent every day when I look at more people trying to have a conversation on Twitter. It's not going to happen there. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's a perfect lemon. It's a big bummer. It is a perfect lemon. Yeah. It's a lemon and not anything worse because you can always delete Twitter. You can just take mm-hmm. that little app and go click and then it's gone. And for doing what we all do, it's good to be on it. And we need socials for our jobs, but you don't have to look at it very much, which is what I've found to be useful. Yeah. There's good journalists and stuff. I like some of that. Yeah. But then it's like the comments under it and then the conversation is just not there. 100% agree. I just don't want to see people's opinions. No. There are like maybe 10 opinions I care about and I know all of those people in real life. So like, (laughs) I'm good. (laughs) Yes. Brian, Lemon? My lemon, I can't remember if I've talked about this on the show before. This is an L.A.-related lemon. What is it with L.A. and people blasting through red lights in their car? I have never lived anywhere where people just straight up plow through reds all the time to the extent where even when I have the green, I will slow down at intersections and look both ways to make sure no one's about to, like, blast through it. That's good practice anyway, but it is, although it can cause a problem for other motorists, but I don't know what the fuck it is. I've, I've lived a lot of places. The likelihood of someone not giving a shit about a red light seems measurably higher here than other places I have been. So for Smosh, we used to work in Sacramento and some Uh of the crew came down to LA a couple of times to either work or for vacation or we're coming to an event or a party where the main company was And one time I was driving with one of the crew members that I knew, this guy, Pat, and he said the exact same thing. We were late and we were late to where we needed to go because every time it was a yellow light, he waited the whole time. Uh In L.A., you don't wait on the yellow. The yellow means speed up. It's about to be red in L.A. (laughs) That's 100 percent right. So you're correct. In, In Los Angeles, you do wait a minute. I feel like most people do wait instinctually a half second before you start when you see a green. Everybody Mm -hmm. does it. And I think it's instinctually because we all know most people will also push through that yellow. And it's because a lot of it, especially if you're in the city, stuff like that, the lights are just, there's too many, too many cars. It's just what it is. It's super unsafe. But that's funny you mentioned that because even same state, but Sacramento to California, same exact uh, experience. It's something about LA. And I feel like the yellow, the LA rule for yellow is if you can see the light turn yellow, you can go through it. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter how far back you are. If you saw it go yellow, just keep going. You'll be fine. Yeah. It is baffling to me, along with the other thing that many people have discussed, which is this thing where if you want to turn left, you have to get all the way out to the intersection, wait for your light to turn red, and then turn, nearly yeah. causing a traffic accident. Two cars go. At least two cars go. I've seen four or five cars go. It is insane. <laughs> when that fourth car makes that left into oncoming traffic every time you're like oh my god we are fucked and then (laughs) it mostly works out we've complained about this before but when you are like let's say there's one person in front of you to make a left and they will not get out to the middle until it's almost gone and then they get out to the middle and they make their turn and then it turns red and you can't go like and they creep they creep They, they, they turn left so slowly they're in the middle of the intersection and you went out there with them and then they go so slowly to the left 
and it completely <laughs> fucks you. And it is the it oh it oh the it's rage. like three cars could have gone in that gap between traffic, but no, you had to be a little bitch about it. Like yep, I, oh, boy. I know. Sorry to add to it, just the same experience is when you're making the left. It's two lanes, and someone is coming upwards, but they're making a right. There's a lot of people mm-hmm. that will not make the left. There's two yes. lanes. One is for the left. Yep. One is if you're making a right. There's two lanes. You can do it at the same time. I promise. Yep. <laughs> you're allowed to. But that's yeah. also because you never know when that other person is going to do a is going to suddenly change their mind and go through. Yes. Oh, uh, just yeah. L.A. like cars. Too many fucking cars. cars, man. Too many cars. All right, peach time. <laughs> peach time. So we're each going to say three peaches, which are things that are pleasant, we're grateful for, excited about, happy about. You know, big, small, whatever. I'll whip through mine. Okay. My first one is that upon hearing that I had COVID, Jarek has been texting me to check in on me, and then he brought me chicken katsu, which Aww, is fucking delicious. Jarek rules. He's the greatest, just the biggest sweetheart, and makes a fire katsu. And we all got to hang out again, the three of us, at yeah, the event where, where you COVID. plausibly got COVID. <laughs> but not from me or Jarek, and Jarek and I did not get COVID. Yeah, we were literally walking back to the car because you gave me a ride home and you guys were like, oh, you haven't gotten COVID yet? And I was like, haha, no, I haven't. It would suck if I got it from this. Yep. So anyway. Oh, well. So that's peach number one. My second peach is that I really love the caretaker, the musician, everywhere at the end of time and an empty bliss beyond this world. Amazing albums, like go to throwing on in the background but they are currently doing a limited vinyl like re-release. So I was able to pick up both of those albums and I'm really, really excited to hear them on. I, I like never use my turntable, but I will absolutely break it out because that's like the perfect thing to throw on there. So excited about that. Cool. My third peach is that I have like my little portable photo printer and I just went on a spree of printing out pictures of my friends and like memes and my cyberpunk 2077 screenshots and i would just put a bunch of them on my bulletin board so it's nice i like seeing my friends and also johnny silverhand so those are my peaches <laughs> it's great i can go next peach number one is okay so i have really bad vision i have a very high prescription what is your prescription are you moderately nearsighted blindness or are you severely nearsighted blindness uh, I don't know. What would you call a minus 15 in both you eyes? You are legally blind. Oh, yeah. I'm also legally rad. <laughs> I thought that was funny, too. Layden didn't, but that's fine. But thank you for laughing, Noah. Yeah, so I'm very, very nearsighted, extremely myopic, and I've been trying to get a pair of contacts from my usual eye doctor, who's at UCLA, for six months. And something about UCLA's billing system got all fucky, And I ordered these in January and they still didn't come. And I kept checking in and she felt really bad, but she's like, they kind of screwed us on this. And eventually she was like, you know what? Cancel your order with us. Go order them somewhere else. I ordered them from another optician that she recommended and I got them within a week. And so I finally fucking have my con. I was down to my last pair. They were getting kind of raggedy. I wasn't seeing so great. And as of this morning, I have new contacts in and I feel great about it. But wow. like with my contact, I see 2020. My vision's great. With Adam, I can't see shit. Negative 15. Sorry to interrupt. I'm negative 625 in both my eyes. That's pretty nearsighted too. Yeah. Yeah. But I've got about eight inches maybe that I can see. Negative 15. Yeah. You really can't see at all. 
I have to be right here without my yeah. glasses. Yeah. And then you don't even get enough light to like read the page. Yeah. So I cannot exist without corrective lenses at all. Like mm -hmm. it's just, I can't see anything, but I'm very lucky in that I have lenses that work really well for me. So I know mm -hmm. sometimes people with my degree of myopia and astigmatism, which I also have, can't see shit. So I'm lucky that I've, it's worked out. Pitch number two is, it's almost the last week of school for my eight-year-old and she's going to summer camp and oh my fucking God, is she excited? <laughs> she goes to a little day camp that's not too far from our place and she cannot wait to become a disgusting, sweaty mess every day and play with her little friends and go swimming and everything. All the good summer camp stuff, which is very exciting. So I'm excited for summer camp. And also, because education system being what it is, summer camp has longer hours than school. So hey. it's, it's actually like the kid is out doing fun stuff for more of the day, which is really great. And also with school ending, I have plans with your child and wife to have a high tea. Oh, that's right. Yes, you guys are going for tea. Yeah. Yes, that's going to be really cute. Is the summer camp's acronym SHITS? <laughs> <laughs> that's the school that's next to Cums. <laughs> yeah, SHITS. SHITS and Cums. As part of the SHITS and Cums community. <laughs> They're actually, they work together. It's a, a charter school program. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the SHITS is the special high school, H-I-N high school for the sciences. For the sciences. <laughs> the sciences. S H I no F T is the S. Shit. Special high school for the sciences. Wow. I did look up the acronym website that we looked at earlier, and there are a lot of really good ones. For shit? Sorry, honey, it's Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> so that's before TGIF. It's a me, it's shits and TGIF. Yeah, that's got it. So funny. <laughs> oh my god. Skunk hollow indecent tactics. What? <laughs> Stinky hotness in the toilet. Shits. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yep. I'm just going to move on to my last peach, which is that we finally, for NSP, finally have vinyl in hand. And wow. it's taken a long time to make these. We're signing the sleeves right now. I, I got... <laughs> <laughs> we were getting these printed in Canada because we could get them done faster there. And rather than send the completed thing down, they just sent the sleeves, these gatefold sleeves. And I don't know what I was expecting, but when a freight truck showed up out of the blue with two pallets worth of boxes, like <laughs> massive piles of boxes, I was not expecting that. And it's because in each box, you can only fit like 50 sleeves. So there aren't that Oof. many albums were signing, but they take up a lot of space because they're fucking big. So I was just walking out the door and suddenly ding dong. Hey, I have this delivery. It was, by the way, 69 boxes of vinyl sleeves. <laughs> nice. Nice, of course. But it's so exciting to finally be like moving forward on the vinyl stuff because it has taken a long time to get there. Are they going to be just like a black print? Yep, they're black vinyl, they're, you know, like high quality black vinyl. And yeah, we're doing yeah. the most recent two albums. Dude, I love touching them. Oh, I do too. It's just something <laughs> nice and tactile about them. It's really great. You know, you get some of these older records that are just really flimsy, but the newer ones, like especially if it's like 180 gram or something like that. No, it's definitely like full on Frisbee. Oh, yes. When you get a really nice substantial record, it feels great. Just want to take a big bite out of it. Yeah. <laughs> for Starbomb, for the video game band, there we had colored vinyl it was a very limited run but that was extra cool to take it out and be like oh shit it's like pink yeah yeah 
All right. Those are my peaches. Noah. Peaches, peaches, three peaches. One, my cat. Love my cat. She just turned one. Oh. <gasps> she's goddamn beautiful, and she's so sweet. Her name is Baby Bell, like the cheese. Uh, Baby Bell, not <laughs> the rest of it isn't. It's just Baby Bell. Baby That's Bell. a great cat name. Yeah, she's so cute. She looks like a little cow. But dude, she doesn't hiss. <laughs> she doesn't scratch. She doesn't do anything. We had to give her a little bit of medicine, some steroids, because she has some allergies, and she's mm. nibbling at some of her skin. And, like, she hates this fucking medicine. It's her least favorite thing in the world. And we got to, like, do it, like, drip by drip. And she does not scratch. She doesn't hiss. It's like she has every opportunity to just, like, claw my face. And she really doesn't. What a sweet little fucking girl. I love baby doll. <laughs> well, Great. Second peach, I've got a lot of cool opportunities through friends. So something like this, Brian hit me up to be on the podcast, which is fun. Because, you know, I've met Brian a couple of times. We've hung out a couple of times. Layton, it's nice to meet you. Yeah. I've had a couple of situations where I guess my whole career is kind of that sort of serendipitous, continual light falling in the right direction, which I'm very grateful for. That's a nice peach. And sometimes it's hard to take that perspective, but I think that when I have that perspective, it shows itself more, even if just on the simple you know, pattern recognition bullshit. The lesson to me is always say yes to things. Mm -hmm. Like, take chances on stuff. You don't know where stuff is going to go. Get out if the vibe is weird or whatever. But say yes to stuff and see what happens. Yeah, definitely get out if the vibe is weird is like the best follow-up. Because like, really, it's like say yeah. yes to stuff minus that weird orgy that's happening. You can leave before that. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> I right. I promise. Yes. You're allowed to and leave. And you pretty much know right away. Like you show up to a place and you're like, yeah, uh, no, nope, not doing this. Yeah. The moment someone asks for your keys, <laughs> you're like, I don't think you need these. I don't think you need these. <laughs> Maybe the creepiest thing you can say about someone's keys. Yeah. 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 Third one, nice big old peach. It's a peach, tasty peach. I had this awesome opportunity. I got to go on the prices right. And I won. Oh, yeah. I won the prices right. That is so great, dude. I went through to the end, the showcase showdown, and I won. I did it. And the whole time, including the reactions that you get live, obviously I'm reacting big because I'm a huge mm -hmm. prices right fan, have been my whole life, big Drew Carey fan. Wow. And yep. I'm an actor. Perfect lineup, you know, for me to hype up my actual excitement. Uh -huh. When I won, they said, you won over $44,000 worth of cash and prizes. Oh my God. Right? I'm like jaw dropped. I'm flipping the fuck out because in my brain, I'm like, I can get cash value. Okay, I can get at least 50% cash value. I'm sure when I go back there, they'll be like, listen, you can take the prizes or you can take, you know, 20 grand and yeah, yeah. say goodbye. And I'm sitting here like, holy shit, I need any money right now. <laughs> any at all yeah. i just won this amount of money so i go in the back room i'm so excited funniest part of the whole thing unfortunately a woman who was also in the game show because they film a couple episodes she was also a winner whenever you go up there you have to sign paperwork you get 300 if you just go up and then you you can't be on the show for 10 years she twisted her knee wow mm. and she like still did the whole show whatever she went up she lost oh my god and then she oh. got taken out in a wheelchair and no one saw her for like six hours until i went oh, into this no. back room yeah, she came in the wheelchair and I asked her, I was like, are you feeling okay? Did you at least have fun? And she was like, no, that was the only thing oh. she said. It was really, oh. it was unfortunately hilarious. Oh. Unfortunately. That's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big bummer. You know, she was a tourist. But also funny. Yeah. <laughs> she got a story, I guess. I don't know. It was really funny, unfortunately. So you, you like waited in the whole line outside the studio. So this is why I got in. They were doing uh, Zoom auditions because they can't fill the studio with 300 people. Now they can only do 50 to 60 because of COVID restrictions. They need to interview yeah. each person. 
And when you go in, wow. you can stay for as many episodes as you'd like. A couple people, they'll let overflow. And each time there's a chance you'll get chosen. Anyone in the audience yeah. can be chosen. And I got chosen on the final episode I stayed because the whole time I was just fucking going hype in the audience. So they finally yeah. picked me to go up. But long story short, I was like, damn, I just won $44,000. This is going to change my whole life. This is incredible. I go in the back room and they're like, okay, everyone, just so you know, we are the only game show that does not offer a cash equivalence prize. <laughs> you either take it or you leave it. And I was like, oh, oh fuck. And they're like, just so you know, this counts as income. The government will see this as direct income that you made. Oh, shit. So I'm sitting here and I'm like, Woof. I'm about to double my income for the year, you know, off of these prizes. And get taxed on it. Yeah. And get taxed on it. <laughs> oh, so I'm, I went from the biggest elation to like a half elation because I'm like, okay, I didn't really win anything. <laughs> All I got was like the world's coolest coupon. So I won two outdoor heating lamps, which the ones that arrived at the house were different models than the one that I won. And they're cooler oh. models, but different. I won five grills, five small grills. <laughs> <laughs> I won outdoor furniture set, this gigantic $6,000 piece. It's an outdoor table, but imagine if that was on a swing. So uh, the table itself whoa. and the chairs are the thing that is swinging in the oh center. God. It all swings. I won 18 months of high quality meats. That's like a pound of ribs a month, like two ribeyes a <laughs> like month. Like Omaha steaks kind of stuff. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Well, you'd need five grills to deal with the meats, of course. With yeah, that many meats, true. you need five different grills. Uh, and uh, I won a trip to Vermont for five days. I won a trip to Mykonos, Greece for six days. And I won a trip Whoa. to Bangkok, Thailand for seven days. Whoa. Oh my God. Super freaking cool. Super freaking cool. So this is like the biggest peach possible with a small caveat I decided not to take the table because I was like, there's no way for me to put it. Let me drop six grand from what they're going to charge me for. <laughs> Add to your income. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The meats, which was great. The meats got stuck up in a supply issue. I've been waiting for the meats now for almost seven months. And I finally got an email and they're like, hey, oh we can't God. do the meats. So we're just going to send you a check for the equivalent amount, which is like $3,480. Oh, great. And I'm sitting here like, uh, that's what I wanted okay. the whole fucking time. Damn. <laughs> I didn't want these meats. <laughs> Hell yeah. And yeah, in these trips, just in case anyone's curious how it works, the trips are all on estimated costs, so my fingers are crossed. The trips, the way they were broken down in value, this is not a joke, seven days in Thailand at a four-star resort, you know, with whatever amenities they're giving. I think I get one dinner and like one massage. They mm. listed the value at like $1,800. And then they put trip to Bangkok, there and back, $10,000. So... What I know is that these are estimated values. So my fingers are yeah. crossed that they say, oh, you won $44,000, but really I won closer to like $18,000 because yeah, I yeah, can't yeah. imagine that seven days at the hotel is more expensive than flying there and back. And then do you bill them for it? Is that how it works? So they book it all for you. They do all the travel. They book everything. Mm -hmm. You have one year, you have 12 calendar months to book it unless the country that you are traveling to for whatever reason is not allowing travel from your country. Mm -hmm. And then somehow they communicate that to the IRS. Yeah, got it. <laughs> so either after it's booked and used, either I'll get paperwork that's like some specific tax form or they transfer it without me. I don't know how it works. They probably forget to do it half the time too. Yeah, uh, so I yeah. Don't I'm sure I'll get some paperwork works, in the mail. I'll be like, I don't need this. And then I'll get audited three years from now. It's probably going to be one of those things where you get the letter like three years later, which is like, you thought you owed this, but actually we got blah, blah, blah. And yeah. Here's 50 cents. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing, dude. That's my peach. 
yeah, it was a really freaking cool experience. Definitely a um, lifelong dream. I'm banned from The Price is Right for 10 years, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm banned from other game shows for now another five months. Wow. Wow. Did they know you were like an online personality and this sort of thing? So I auditioned two years in a row. The first year I auditioned, you know, I'm an actor, I'm internet, whatever, but I'm just a big fan. They loved me, obviously, because I know how to act. Like, not just like I'm pretending, like I know how to act in the interview to be an excited person. And I made it all the way to the end and they were like, all right, we're going to schedule you. And then they just didn't. So Mm. the next year when they were doing a new season, I was like, fuck it, I'm going to try again. And this time I got through and there's a couple stages. So they get your submission, which is a public one. Everyone can do it. You just go to pitmancasting.org or .com. Just Google Pittman Casting mm-hmm. or Price is Right Casting. You get a phone call preliminary just saying like, hey, is this all your information? Would you be interested? Blah, blah, blah. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, let's set up a Zoom meeting. Let me coach you through something really quick. In your thing, because first year I didn't stream. Second year I started streaming on Twitch. Mm-hmm. They were like, hey, take out actor. Don't tell them you're an actor. They will not put an actor on there. You're a streamer. Just oh. say you're a streamer. That's it. Interesting. So they knew who I was. They knew my socials. They knew I was an actor. But as long as I sold myself as a streamer, they didn't mind putting me on television. And oh, wow. when I was <laughs> even at the studio, yeah, when I was even at the studio, some of the people who work on the production, and he's like a writer, a comedian, you know, and he just works on the Price is Right production just to kind of make rent and whatever, which is an awesome job. And he was like, yeah, I recognized you, but I didn't say anything. Obviously, I'm not going to say anything. They film a couple episodes. I was waited for the final episode of the day. I hadn't gotten called yet. He was the guy who then went to the person who picks people and was like, hey, you should probably pick that guy. And he was like, oh, yeah, I've been seeing him all day. He's really energetic. I'll add him to the oh, list. So nice. it was like this small lineups of, you know, how it all works out. Yeah. Where I, yeah, I just got lucky enough. And then once I was on the game, man, Price is Right is my shit. I Price is Right everything. I don't give a fuck. That's all. <laughs> I dollar bid over everybody. I didn't care how much of an asshole I looked like. I did it every time until I won. Every time, really? Every time That's until awesome. I won. Wow. I didn't yeah. give a fuck. Were you usually last? It changes every time. So sometimes you're last, sometimes you're first. I think when I won, I think I was third when I won. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, some people, I don't know why they showed up, probably for fun, They weren't there for the game. They didn't know the game. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That always puzzles me about that. Like, Price is Right has, like, a vibe to it. It's like a thing. It's been on for fucking 50 years or so. I don't even know how long. I mean, I used to watch it with Bob Barker growing up. Loved it. When you stayed home sick from school, you get to watch Price is Right. That was the best part. (laughs) And also when you're, like, I don't know, 11, you don't know how much shit costs. I think I learned how much things cost from the Price is Right. But yeah, why would you go to that and then just like have no idea how anything works or any clue of strategy? Baffling to me. It's ridiculous. Also, one thing that was really funny to experience was uh, being elated when I saw Milk Duds. (laughs) The game that I played, Uh it was like it was a vending machine and there's three rows and there's different items like here's two containers of iced tea. Here's Mm. eight containers of Milk Duds. Here's Mm -hmm. four containers of cranberry juice. Which one is the most expensive? You got Mm -hmm. a coin. Which one do you think is the most money? And I'm sitting here Uh, like, okay, uh, this is probably $1. This is probably $2. And this is probably $4. Okay, I'm doing it, you know? And everyone's like, milk duds, milk duds. And I'm like, no, it's this one. And then you win. It's Mm -hmm. the strangest feeling to be like, (laughs) I knew it. I knew how much that watermelon was. (laughs) Like, (laughs) so fucking It feels like. Again, I love The Price is Right. Looking back at it as an adult, it is like the most blatant worship of consumer society and capitalism, but it's also really fun. So 
right? <laughs> actually complaining. Oh, but it just reads to me now like vaguely dystopian, which is like, guess how much it's going to cost you to survive? Yeah. But yeah, I love it. They put a fun sheen on it. Anyway, yeah. yeah, dude, thank you so much for being here. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, of course. Of yeah, course. this is amazing. Listen, anytime you guys need anything, I am there. Awesome. Thank you. If people want to, A, watch your game show, B, watch you on The Price is Right, or C, watch you stream or just check out where you are, uh, where can they do that? Uh, you can find me at Noah Grossman 214 on all my socials. Twitch, I'm Noah Grossman Live. And YouTube channel Noah Grossman is where you can see the proof of concept, two first episodes of Even the Odds, a uh, brand new game, sh- game show. There we go. I can speak. Uh, a a game, show. game show. No, that's appropriate. Yeah, game show. The, yeah, yeah, accidentally, yeah. right? <laughs> Bring it back. It's a comes show <laughs> sponsored by comes. <laughs> Watch it. Love it. <laughs> Comment on it. Thank you so much, guys. All right. So now we are at the end of the episode. So everybody mm. at home, hope you're doing well. Hope you're taking care of yourselves. Remember to visit comestuff.com. Of course, comestuff.com to, for all your come merch needs. Exactly. Come on down. Noah, <laughs> do you have any like parting words of wisdom for the audience on this year episode? Oh, yeah. I'll actually drop my uh, wisdom. I love to drop. It's not original. I'm sure a million people have said it in different ways. You can be justified and not be right. Think about that sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Whoa. All right. See ya. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Leighton Night is produced by Brian Wecht, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore night, or email us at LeightonNight at gmail.com.